This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're going to be talking PR today, but don't turn off. It's going to be good. Special guest, Roxy Jacenko. Hello, Roxy. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the Media Week podcast. Now, I, I say PR because it's a subject that I think a lot of people, their eyes might glaze over. and I know. think my parents' eyes still glaze over <laughs> when I mention, you know, what I do. You know, it's one of those things where no one's really sure what you do. And I, I think there's a lot of fallacies around actually what our job entails on a day-to-day basis. Sure. I but- mean, mine's certainly not champagne and canapes. I yeah. think many's are. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's almost an outdated term, isn't it? Because it, it involves lots of things. But I guess it's still helpful to describe the general industry, which, which now, yeah, r- as a range of um, things. And you've got a range of companies, right? Look, it's changed dramatically. I mean, I started Sweaty Betty 14 years ago now, and that was basically I was, you know, product placement in magazines, newspapers, radio and TV. Now, if I look at the business 14 years on, I have to be an events person. I have to be someone who can work with influencers. You know, magazines almost don't exist anymore. You know, it's a whole different ballgame. And I think unless you have chosen to move with the times and take on, you know, the social media world, as well as the traditional PR, you get left behind. You've got a new book out, Roxy's Little Black Book of Tips and Tricks, subtitled No Bullshit Guide to All Things PR, Social Media Business and Building Your Brand. I've I've read the book and gee I Don't I've, hold it against me. I, I start I've got a heap of questions here but um we'll see how far we get through them um today. Uh, I wanted to ask you a few things. The first thing that intrigues me is PR you often think okay the publicist has got to stay in the background. Yes. Is that a challenge for you at times to let the the product or the client shine when there does tend to be focus on you? You know, it's a really interesting thing. I guess when I started 14 years ago at 24 years of age, I never ever thought that I would become the person who was, you know, a memorable name. Um, it happened by accident. You know, you look back to Channel 9 days when I did Celebrity Apprentice and all of a sudden it skyrocketed me to the only publicist who's done reality TV, um, which I did with Mark Boris. So that's when it began. I think what it's done for me as a business and what it's done for clients is whenever anyone comes to me, one of the main questions that they ask is, oh, will Roxy Instagram for us? <laughs> I'm like, yes, of course I will. So you know what? I've actually never had a problem. Everyone likes to ask the question of, well, are you bigger than the brands? I don't think I am. I think the smart brands are leveraging my social media um, influence to leverage their brand. Mm. Um, so I, I haven't had a problem. Actually, it's been advantageous. Yeah, so the upside is much better for clients than any possible negative. Well, 100%. I mean, the reality is if I put on a ring and I post it on my Instagram post for a client, you know, the next thing you know, Daily Mail writes, Roxy has a new ring and it's from this particular brand. (laughs) So it's like instant press. Yeah. Now, you've been in the media a lot the last couple of years. Yes. Did the clients always, did any of them get a little bit nervous? Look, you know, I won't lie. Um, During Ollie's trial, it was a very testing time for the business. Um, Obviously, through 2016 and 2017, I not only had a husband who went to jail for insider trading, um, but I also got cancer two weeks after his imprisonment. So I guess from an external client looking for a new PR company, they sort of thought, well, she would be all over the place. She's not an agency for us, you know. And look, was I at work every day? 
Yes, I was. Was I having radiation and then going straight back to work? Yes, I was. Was I there? I was, but I would say to you I was probably 90% there in terms of presence and ability as opposed to what I am now at 200%. Um, It affected business in terms of new business. It didn't affect my current clients that I have and have maintained because I think if anything, they wanted to support me throughout that that period of time um, because they knew me and we'd, you know, all of our clients are like family. We don't ever have an us and them relationship. And if it's like that, we never keep them. Um, I like to have an open, you know, sort of an open door relationship. So it affected business in terms of new clients signing on. Did it affect business in terms of losing clients that were with me? Absolutely not. You've, you've, you've worked in the media or worked in the media and with the media for, for a lot of time now. Did you learn more stuff during those couple of years that, that you thought, did you see a side of it that maybe was a little bit ugly that you hadn't encountered before or did, could, did you know and expect what would happen? I knew what would happen. I knew, you know, I guess, and I'm respectful of it as well. Like, don't get me wrong, I didn't love all the articles that came out. In fact, they were horrible. Um, But at the same time, I get it. You know, the media has a job to do. If your chief of staff says, go and stand outside the court, St James Place, and, you know, ask Roxy questions when she's leaving, you're going to do it. And you know what? The media have been very supportive of me and I'm appreciative of that. I think you have to take the good with the bad. You know, I knew there were going to be negative articles. Um, you know, did I think that I would get an article about me using the the um, court as a catwalk? No, I didn't because I dress exactly the same way every day for work. Um, but... At the the same time, it's the same with paparazzi. You know what? You're doing a job, just like me. We're all doing a job. Nothing's personal. I mean, I don't – I've got a thick skin. I guess you learn to have a thick skin. You can't take it personally. These people are just doing a job. You talk about that in your book, I think. It's um – about, about dressing for work and stuff like that. I think it's in one of your is yes. it 10, um, 10, 10 things that require zero talent. I think that's one of them. It's important. Dress for the job, just yeah. for the role. Present yourself well. I think it's yep. such an important thing. And I think people now are becoming really lazy. You know what? Whether you're having a meeting or not, present yourself how you want to be viewed. I'm always dressed nicely because I want people to be able to take me seriously. If I turn up and I'm looking like a mess, well, you're not going to think I'm very good at my job. So I think it's very important. Sure. Let's fire through some of these questions I've got. Hit um, me. Uh, in the intro, gee, look, at the, just the <laughs> intro alone really is enough for this podcast. There's so much interesting stuff in there. You don't need to be the smartest girl in the room. Were you... <laughs> I was a shit student. Were you? You know, I got like 62 in my HSC. I wasn't dedicated to school. I struggled to sit still and listen. But what I had was drive and I had determination to succeed at what I put my hand to. It was first at McDonald's when I was 14. It was then at a florist. It was then at Kodak. I don't think you have to be the smartest person in school to be able to succeed and achieve your dreams. And I think I'm the, I'm the poster girl for that. I was absolutely rubbish at school. But what I made sure is that everything I tried to do when I left school, I put 200% in. And I always had seeing eyes. And I know it sounds like a really weird thing to say, but I don't, I'm like a sponge. Everything I look at, I draw inspiration from. If I'm on Instagram, I'll be looking for something that I can then tweak to suit a client that I've got here. If you use all of the resources around you, which are huge now, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Google. You can be the smartest person in the room because it's all there for you. It's whether you choose to have seeing eyes and absorb it like a sponge. When you write a lot in the book about people who approach you for work and um, whether it's work experience or when you're hiring, um, education, a lot of employers use maybe a uni degree as a minimum entrance these days. Do, Do you and do you think people should be doing that? I think because I never got into uni, I would never have stood a chance even if I paid to get in. (laughs) Um, 
Um, I have always been of the mindset, well, you know what, it's not the be all and end all. I know half of the things I learned at school algebra. Have I ever used it? Absolutely fucking not. Um, I did in the beginning say, you know what, I don't care if you've been to uni. Now, as I've grown older and more mature, what I think about uni is no matter what your degree is, if you started and finished it and you did those four years, to me it shows dedication and it shows an ability to see something through. It's not what you learn there, it's the diligence of seeing it from start to finish, which is what for me as an employer is a beneficial thing. Also, I think it teaches you to work as a team. You know, I'm in a team of 27, we work together, I sit on the floor with the team, I don't have a separate office. I think that those kind of things are very important and I think that uni teaches you that. Do I think it's going to make you a great publicist? Absolutely not. Yeah, no, that's that's brilliant to hear you say that. Yeah, it gives you the discipline, doesn't yes. it? Because you know, a lot of kids... They're, they're wondering around what they're going to do. But if you can get the discipline to do a course, whether it's zoology or Correct. whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. You yep. started and you finished and you achieved it. Sure. Brilliant. You can't, uh, you can't fake authenticity, you say. Working in PR, though, have you got to learn to fake things at certain times? Look, you know one thing I – when I started, I was like a kid in a candy store. If you came to me and you offered me $5,000 a month for 12 months – I would say, yes, I can do your PR. I would take anything that came to me because there were so many brands. I was making an absolute fortune. How could you say no? But what I learned is if you don't like what you're working on, if you don't live the lifestyle that that brand um, or service um, exudes, then how can you actually be authentic in your PR delivery? Now we only take brands on that I actually like, use, or enjoy because how can you be a good publicist if you think it's shit? You can't. Right. So it's something that I learned. It probably took me 10 years to learn um, but at the same time, I'm glad it took me that time to learn it. It makes you a better publicist because if you actually like it and you're passionate about it, it's much easier to do your job. It's a dog of a thing to, to work on a brand that you actually hate. Sure. I mean, sure. I had Crocs. They would be the <laughs> ugliest, sweatiest shoes one's ever worn. <laughs> but you could make it work for them, yeah. Um, you say the book is for aspiring publicists. It seems to me there's, there's just so many PR companies. Is it a crowded space? Is it more competitive now? Is it is it harder to get into and, and make a living or is it just... I think to start now you'd be an absolute mad person. I would not start now if I was, you know, me... Mm. Um, you know, 14 years ago. It's a very crowded space. I think that unless you're willing to really be the person who has a PR agency, an events company, a digital agency, a content creation agency, well, you're not going to stand a chance. We are in a small country. Clients want to go to a one-stop shop that has a broad range of services. Um, it is crowded, but I also think there's a lot of people who don't realise what it takes. They don't realise that we are a 24-7 industry, that we are answerable, whether it's 6 o'clock on a Sunday night or 6 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, you answer the phone, you answer the email, because if you don't, you miss the opportunity for your client. The reason I think we've had success is because I've never got confident. I've never thought that I'm successful. I've always thought I can do more. I can succeed more. I can do better. I can deliver more. And I don't think a lot of people have that. Before I forget later on, just run us through your companies, your brands now. Yes. So I've got Sweaty Betty, which is obviously a traditional PR agency. Is that the flagship almost? Um, yeah. You know, it, it would be. It's the first business I ever started. Um, and then I've got the Ministry of Talent, which I've had for five years now, which is an influencer agency. So we're the conduit between, let's say, a Coca-Cola and a highly followed Instagrammer. Now, that Instagrammer might not have a million people. They might have 10,000, but it's all about who gets the better cut through. Um, then I have Social Union, which is brand new. I started that in February of this year. Why I started Social Union is because what I realised very quickly was 
content is king. If your imagery is not unbelievably good, how do you sell that product? People don't read, people are visual. They want to see a great image. I know I choose what I'm having for dinner by what I see on Instagram. So Social Union is an agency that basically creates the content for brands, be it food and beverage, be it, you know, a toy store, be it beauty. Um, And then we are also a social media management agency. So we'll manage your Facebook, we'll manage your Instagram, as well as create the content. Um, And then... I have another business, which is more of a fun business, um, which is Pixie's Bows. Um, I started it in 2011. It's a hair bow um, business um, aimed at children, um, which is in Maya stores and on the iconic kids. Look, it was a fun, creative outlet for me. It was also a way for me to create a brand. You know, I'm a PR person. So for me to be able to take the humble hair bow and create a brand out of it, it also shows my ability. You know, how do you get, you know, a, a hair bow on Surrey Cruise? Well, Roxy's your girl. <laughs> Along the way, have you always sort of been self-funding? Have you just give it, did you have any sort of, was it hard at the beginning financially or did it's you? It's a really, it's an interesting question that you asked me that because I did an interview the other day with Miss um, Han from the Finn Review and she's like, you know, no one can understand how you make the money you make, <laughs> you know, et cetera, et cetera. And she's like, did your parents finance you? And I'm like, I mean, keep in mind, 14 years ago, it was PR. All I needed was I had a Kenwood cordless phone. <laughs> I had a fax machine, a Samsung fax machine with roller paper. I mean, some oh. of the people listening to this wouldn't even know what that is. Um, and me. And I had bought a dining table from, it was then Orson and Blake, and that was a workstation. I didn't need money. Hmm. What my parents did do for me, and I've always been very open about this, is they gave me a space within one of their buildings in Alexandria. So I had a space instantaneously and I didn't have the overheads of rent or a bond. So that's what they did for me in my early years. But in terms of, you know, I'm not a retailer, so I didn't have to buy stock and sell wares. It was me. I was, and I mean, I didn't take a salary for about, oh, I'd probably say I didn't take a salary for the first two years, but I was working evenings as a florist at that time as well. So I had money from that job. Right. It's wonderful stuff. Now that, um, I, I talked about dressing for the role. That's actually in the master your personal brand, I think, not the, but I wanted to quickly run through though. I, I love that 10 things that require zero talent, um, can be on time, have a good work ethic, um, make an effort, um, Talk to me a little bit about that one. You know, look, I think it's so important. I've never, ever been a girl who's gone, okay, well, I've done my work now and that will do. I've always looked, how much more can I do? Who can I help? Who sits next to me? I've never, ever gone, okay, well, that's that's my job and I've done it. Make the extra effort. Whether I own the business or I'm the employee, I always make the extra effort to help the person next to me, to look for ideas for their brand. So, for instance, I'll screenshot in the middle of the night and send something to Grace, who's my colleague who works on Lady Jane and Glam by Manicare, and say, hey, Grace, saw this on Instagram and send it. It's all th- That effort is team, you know, is being part of a team. You can't be sort of insular and only worry about yourself. I think that's very important. Where do where do you get your uh, motivation from when you, I mean, you say in the book, I've actually. got expensive taste, James. <laughs> Diamonds aren't cheap. That let's um, let haters become motivators. Is that one of the things that biggest that keeps you going? Biggest. People think, oh, she's going to fail. She's hopeless. Uh, you know what, Andrew Hornery? Thank you very much. <laughs> because the reality of it is, my biggest detractors are my biggest motivators. You can keep writing that fucking shit about me wanting to be Paris Hilton, and all you do is power me up and fire me up to want to achieve more. And go, you know what? I bother you that much. Fuck you, watch me fucking, watch you hate me even more. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I started my seminars. It's the reason, you know, that I've got 
four books now. I've got the fifth coming out in February. The more people dislike and are envious, the more it fires me up to succeed. Because I'm like, what have you got to be bitter and twisted about? I applaud people who succeed. You Mm. know, for me, when I see people doing well, I'm like, I want to be friends with you. Because if you surround yourself with people who are succeeding and wanting to do well, you're only going to do better yourself. (laughs) Do you ever have dark moments though where you you sort of, you know? Um, I would say no. Um, I mean, look, I've had my time during sort of 2016 and 2017 where shit went south and I lost my marbles totally and that was a very dark time. I mean, I... At one point, I don't even remember where I left the children. It was mm-hmm. that bad. Um, but that was a culmination of events. You know, I was working sort of seven days a week until two o'clock in the morning. I had the two children on my own. Ollie was in jail. I had cancer. I had started a drug called tamoxifen, which is a, a cancer blocker, which was making me feel like I was 65 degrees when it was really six degrees. So there were, a, you know, a culmination of events that made me lose my shit, basically. Um, I would say to you, though, I look at my life and I think to myself, I'm very fortunate. You know, I've had the opportunity to meet some amazing people over the journey of my career, Alex McKinnon being one of them. And I think to myself, you know what? Yes, I've had some challenging times, but I haven't had challenging times at all in comparison to other people like Alex. You know, he goes on the field to play sport one day and he leaves the field and he's in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. You know, so for me, I think... Uh, my issues are small in comparison to what other people face. So dark days, no. Have I had one or two? Yes. But then you realise how lucky you actually are and how fortunate. You know, everything passes. I know that better than anyone. You had a quick reference to the private Sydney columnist before. <laughs> yes. Are there many people that you don't no, get on you know, with? Um, or is there just a couple that you... You know, there's a, he's been one who has had a bee in his bonnet about me for many years. And you know what? For no reason. What, you don't like me, that's fine. But to get personal, I've mm. never understood. Yes, you're doing a job, but to suggest that someone doesn't have cancer when they do, it's below the belt and it's not necessary. So, yeah, I have a problem with him and he clearly has one with me. But my problem is stemmed off, you know, articles such as those suggesting I don't have cancer and it's all a publicity stunt. I mean, that's a low blow. Yeah, yeah. So what's what's left for you to do? What do you? I mean, you're running your sort of empire. Yes. Um, does it? How hands on are you? Does, can it sort of run itself? Do you have time to? It could run for itself. Big pictures and maybe um, the things you'd like to do. You haven't. You know, you... Well, no. You know what? I've always been the one of don't think about what you want to do and just do it as you're going. Um, mm-hmm. Our next thing, obviously, now is tapping into the China market. You know, okay. it's a huge market for us here in the Australian environment. Um, so we are at the moment hiring for um, Chinese. Um, we, we want to start an agency which focuses on Chinese publications and Chinese social media. So WeChat, Redbook, etc. So we. Ber- Weibo and so on. So that's what we're hiring for at the moment because I think the most important thing is we know it's a huge part of our um, um, our environment here in Australia and if we aren't tapping into that, someone else will. <laughs> and would my business run itself? Yes, it would, but I'm obsessive compulsive and it's successful and I make the money I do because I'm in there and I'm driving the train every day. More books? Yes. Next one comes out in February, which is an anti-bullying book, a kid's picture okay. book. Um, which I did with my daughter Pixie um, with Bauer Books. So that comes out in February. Look, it was very important for me to do that book. As anyone will tell you, books are never going to be a huge money earner. But that anti-bullying book, which is called Penelope's Playground, is one that I did because Pixie faced some really challenging times in the playground when she was six and her her dad went to jail. Um, I was a cross-eyed little girl when I was at school, so I know how mean kids can be. So this book is all about, you know, it's okay to be different and we have to embrace people's differences rather than ostracise them. So that's the next one which is coming out, which I'm excited about. Fantastic. Well, look, we'll wind it up, Roxy. Look, Already? So, yeah, already. 
There's, I mean, I could, I've got questions about every page. <laughs> we'll get together another another day with a, a little bit longer chat perhaps. But, look, it's Roxy's little black book of tips and tricks, Alan and Unwin. Um, it's, it's under, it's, how much is it? Uh, $16.95. There you go, bargain. I but, could be in PR. Look at that. <laughs> in stores November 28th. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you.